It's so hot outside. Time to go bowling. Stay cool at Bolero. With air-conditioned lanes, ice-cold beer, and a striking selection of signature cocktails. Roll in, chill out, and have fun. Visit Bolero.com for hours and weekly specials. And what was Elvis's favorite food, Zach? Do you remember? If I remember correctly, it was none other than a peanut butter banana sandwich. So I am going to Target just like you, and I am picking up, they have it there, I'm picking up a banana costume, I'm getting two slices of bread made out of cardboard with some peanut butter around it, and I'm going to be a dancing banana sandwich with the, with the other Elvises, and there might even be a bite taken out of me. But with that being said, that's the fun <laughs> stuff. Let's get, let's get into the stuff that is just not too happy. I'd love to talk about fun Halloween coming up all day long, but we've got some business to take care of, and it is none other than fact or fiction. And once again, it is brought to you by the one and only Frank Walker Law, Zach. Yes, Frank Walker Law, the top criminal defense attorney to call in western Pennsylvania. Oh, my God, the entire thing just fell apart in front of me. I just had the message up, and now it is gone. Give me just a moment to read the word from our lovely sponsor, I'll help you Frank out here. Walker. No, here I'll we go. I got it. I got it. We got it. You got it. The show is sponsored by Frank Walker Law, the top criminal defense firm to call in western Pennsylvania, West Virginia, home to one of the nation's top 100-ranked trial attorneys in Frank Walker. For his Pennsylvania office, call 412-212-3878, or to reach his West Virginia office, call 304-712-2089. You should also check out his website, frankwalkerlaw.com, to see how he can help you in your time of need. Frank Walker Law, real talk, real experience, real Results. Fact or fiction, Zach? You should know that by heart by now. That uh, is a that fact. Should, I'm doing I, an answer for should you. I know it? Should I know it by heart? Fact. Do I know it by heart? Fiction. So, hey, less hot soft costumes, more Frank Walker Law, my friend. But let's get on <laughs> with the show. <sighs> let's try to sort some of this out, Zach. Real quick, this fox on the uh, the massacre in Miami. So I want, I want to raise an interesting point here, Brian, because I, I am of the belief that the city that you play in does, in fact, have some sort of impact in your performance of where you are. Um, and I will say this, and I talked about this with a very good friend of mine who's a Steeler fan with me. What are the odds that the entire defense and offensive line all decided to go out and get drunk as they possibly could in South Beach in Miami, thinking that we, they were going to walk in there and absolutely steamroll the Dolphins. Uh, listen, nothing from this week was good, but that, that's why I'm actually asking the question because I think it's, it's a very scary but real prospect. Like, you could have had these guys thinking so highly of their play and thinking so little of the Dolphins. I mean, this was just a total underestimation of what this team can bring to the table. Listen, you were running, you had the team running all over you on both facets through the air. Uh, Tannehill looked like a good quarterback, which is hilarious because we all know he's not. And then IG was just unbelievable on the ground. I mean, when have you ever heard of that guy? I don't think I've ever heard of him in my life. And he runs for that game winning score. Absolutely insane. Uh, it, it's something that I necessarily don't want to see again from this team the remainder of the year. I, it's really embarrassing if it happens again. Um, and, and honestly, if it happens again, this team will not be looked at in the same elite stature that we held them to in the first five weeks of the season. Brian, I, I'm eager to hear your thoughts on this, man. No, I, I got to tell you, Jay and Jai. How many people, how many Steeler fans went out and picked them up on their fantasy team this week? And uh, I'm sure he was available in a lot of leagues. Uh, not every league, but uh, but uh, a lot of leagues. And I know I wouldn't pick them up because he actually, he looks fantastic. And here's the thing about that game the other day. When you're talking about the Miami Dolphins, one of their biggest problems all year has been that offensive line. They were uh, – second in the league in giving up sacks. So uh, they were horrendous, but did not know or did not realize that this was the first time their entire offensive line was together as a team. And uh, they played like a cohesive unit. Um, 
they they look fantastic, and they opened the holes for Ajayi. Is that how you pronounce it, Ajayi? Um, the kid from Boise State, and uh, he's a second-round pick. He looked like a very good runner, and uh, he looks like uh, he could be the future of that team because I, I don't think – I feel like Arian Foster's done down there, but they look really good. I don't think Tannehill was really as bad as a lot of people thought, and that was actually – and I'm actually stealing that line from uh, Pro Football Focus um, – that's one of the things that that they said that you know his numbers are actually not that bad. The supporting cast has let him down. He, that connection with Jarvis Landry was great. Um, as far as the Steelers, I mean, yeah, sure they were killed by injury once again. It seemed like they were dropping like flies. Lawrence Timmons was throwing up in the end zone, so that might lend to your theory about them going and drinking. It almost reminds me of one of my one of the greatest. Um, ideas ever that did not come into fruition happened at the Super Bowl in in uh, Dallas back when the Steelers in the '45 when the uh, the Steelers played the Packers and Mark Cuban owned a, a nightclub down there. So he announced that all Green Bay Packers get to come into the club and drink free the night before the Super Bowl. So his plan was to get them completely faced. And I don't even know if they use the word faced anymore, but it gets them completely obliterated before the game. Um, unfortunately, nobody from the Packers took them up on it, but it almost seems like the Steelers did. They were just out of sync. They looked hungover, and they just did not look ready to play in that game. And we have been talking about all year long, especially when the Steelers were playing better, and we were talking about the the, the big word, all week long was trap game. And, you know, a lot of people said, oh, it's not going to be a trap game if they're who we think they are. And you know what? Maybe they're not who we thought they were. Um, I still think this team's special, but when you keep playing down the competition and you have another team on the other side of the ball that says, hey, wait a second, what? You're supposed to run all over us? No. We will show you that you are not running all over us. And uh, remember, there's professionals uh, in teal and orange and white on the other side of the ball. So uh, that's how I feel. It was a horrible game to watch, and we're going to bring up a lot of that in the Factor Fiction. And once again, when we get through the six cans of the six-pack, we want to hear from you. That's 347-850-851. But what I feel like we should do now is just get right into it, Zach. Here we go with number one, Factor Fiction. The Steelers can not win with Landry Jones at the helm. Is that a fact or is that fiction? You know the faith that I have in Landry Jones. I'd like to say he can go out there and and really be the difference maker, but I, I can't. I, I really can't say it. Um, you know, I, I think that this team needs to trade – uh, there needs to be some sort of trade made for somebody in a backup position right now. Uh, and you need to bring someone in here and start learning the offense ASAP, absolutely ASAP, so they are ready for this game upcoming next week. Look ahead at this schedule, and, and it is taxing. You know, it is not something that's, that's going to be a walk in the park. You know, granted, yes, you've got a bye week in between the time you play New England and Baltimore, but – but look at those next three games, New England, Baltimore, and Dallas. I, I don't like any of those with Landry Jones at the helm. Uh, you know, the Ravens certainly look like the most average team in football this year. But I still don't want him suiting up and taking on that team that plays smash-mouth football against this Steeler offense uh, whenever they can. That being said, afterwards, you hope you get a little bit of a, you know, some time off. You've got the Browns and the Bills and the Giants littered in there. I mean, that's nice, especially if Ben can come back for those games. Uh, but right now against the Patriots, listen, you've got to be going after someone else, especially against a team that is competing with you to be the best in the AFC. They're 5-1. and one. They're 2-0 and oh on the road. They're going to be walking into Pittsburgh. You know, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. No, fact, they can't win with Landry Jones at the helm. <laughs> You know what, Zach? I'm actually I'm going to shock the hell out of everybody, and I'm going to say fiction. They can win with Landry Jones, but I'm also going to put a caveat on it and say it. 
they've got a five percent chance to win with Landry Jones. It's very, very slim. It's possible. We've seen them win, but he has not won. He has never won as a starter. I will tell you that. Um, that has not happened after the uh, the great showing last year, right around this time, against the Arizona Cardinals, where he came in for Michael Vick and looked fantastic, but he was aided by Martavis Bryant looking fantastic in that game. That was uh, that was more of the Martavis Bryant show than it was Landry Jones. He did get the ball to him, but the very next week in Kansas City, he couldn't get the ball to anybody. He looked absolutely horrendous. He looked terrible when he started against Cleveland, and Ben had to come in and have a career day. He looked terrible when Ben got hurt against the Oakland Raiders. And he came in, and luckily they had enough of a lead for, uh, for them to be able to keep on going. Uh, he looked absolutely horrendous in the playoffs. He looked like a deer staring at the headlights, just in complete shock in the playoffs and on, against Cincinnati where Ben had to just come back in. I know it was do or die, but that guy couldn't even lift his arm. That's how bad his shoulder was. And uh, you wanted a miracle. You got it that night. But Ben's not coming back in this game this week. And that's, I think that one pass that he threw in the game against Miami was one of the reasons that they had to rush Ben back in there because he just could not handle it. And that's one of the reasons they went out and got Zach Mettenberger. But, of course, he's the number two guy, so it's going to go to Landry Jones first. I don't see a trade being made at this juncture. I, I, think, that's, uh, I think that's wishful thinking. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, we just got to hope for, that he can keep it close, that the team and the coaching staff can go ahead and make a game plan to go ahead and expose a not very good New England defense. I mean, fantastic offense, but not that very good of a defense. So there, there's room for a miracle here. I doubt it's going to happen. It's a possibility for Landry Jones to win, but it's not going to happen this week. So I'm going to say six years to say there's a 5% chance it's sort of a cop-out. And also just to disagree with you, but uh, Landry Jones is, not the quarterback of the future for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's go ahead to number two, and this ties in. This ties in perfectly to the Landry Jones fact that we just had. Number two, factor fiction, Zach. Ben Roethlisberger will be back for the November 6th Ravens game. So um, he will miss the New England game, and he will get the bye week and come back right after that. Factor fiction. So here's my thing with this, Brian. I am, I am a big belief that he will want to play, but I don't think that Mike Tomlin is going to want to give him that opportunity. I think you want to have him ready and healthy for Dallas, make sure that he has the time to you know, make sure everything is good with the knee and that his movement is great because the Ravens are going to have you moving a lot. And for him to come back ASAP and start getting hit, I, I don't think it's happened. And I want to throw it back to why they're even going to feel more confident about why this shouldn't happen. And I'm going to throw it back a few years ago to when the Steelers beat the Ravens with Charlie Batch under helm. I mean, we, if you can remember that game like I did, it was a very, very iconic oh, yeah. thing, uh, you know, for them to go out there and really take down uh, the Baltimore Ravens, you know, under, you know, the helm of Dennis Dixon and Charlie Batch, I, I think was really absolutely remarkable. So if we're looking at that, as a prior example, this Ravens team is not as good as that team. You can put someone else out there and hope that they can still get the win. New England, I'm nervous for. Baltimore, definitely less. And, and like I said earlier, Baltimore is playing some of the most average football uh, that they've ever played before, and they're doing it right now. So, fiction, he's not going to play in the game. Um, and I really believe it's because they think they can get it done with somebody else, and they're going to keep him for another week to get healthy. You know what? I'm going to disagree with you once again, Zachary, and I'll tell you why. It's going to be a fact. And he will be back for that November 6th Ravens game because they're going to lose this weekend against New England. I, I mean, I, want to be, I don't want to be a pessimist. It's just going to be really tough for what they're facing, especially it's Tom Brady's revenge tour. 
It's everything wrapped all up in one. It's Gronk, who has, in only four games against the Steelers, has had seven touchdowns and 403 yards. Um, and, and that's four games in his career. It's just amazing. They're gonna, it, it, it might be ugly. But, hey, that's why we watch it. And this Pittsburgh Steelers team, one thing about them, when they're not supposed to win, they find a way to pull it out. So when they're supposed to win, where they stumble. That's a, it's just a complete enigma of a team. But I have a feeling he is going to be back. All of your reasons are very valid. But I'm going to give you another name here, another quarterback. His name's Philip Rivers. And of all people to bring this, this up was Landry Jones. Landry Jones brought up that Philip Rivers had the same exact surgery, just like Ben had on Monday, and he played the very next week. I do not expect Ben Roethlisberger to play this week. Um, Tom Brady expects Ben Roethlisberger to play this week. The Patriots expect it. I don't, do not expect that to happen, but I think with the bye week that he's going to be itching to be coming back, and with what I perceive the outcome to be against New England and the fact that you do not want to risk a three-game losing streak, especially a uh, loss to a division rival, um, I think that they actually go and bring him back in. So I'm going to say fact. You will see number seven. He's John Wayne in cleats. You will see him back on November 6th against the Baltimore Ravens. Book it. Yeah, you know, I, I'd love to see it, Brian, especially since this is, this is the cornerstone of the rivalry. Um, and if we're playing the first game, you want to start that rivalry off on a high note. I guess we'll just have to wait and see, right? You got it. Let's move right along. Number three, the draft is not enough, Zach. The Steelers need to address outside linebacker in free agency in 2017. Is that fact or is that fiction? Well, they need to do it in the way of making sure that they can retain Lawrence Timmons. Otherwise, um, no, I, fiction for me. I think that this is, you know, one of the facets we've talked about week in and week out with this team that we feel very comfortable with. And when Bud Dupree and Chazier make themselves readily available again and are more regularly there, that's going to change the whole pacing of everything. Um, so that's where I think, you know, you even have cause to get more excited. Uh, so, no, I don't think they need to address this. This is just something that, you know, might be on the blip, um, you know, on the outskirts of situations here, but I really don't see the Steelers having to go uh, to any sort of avenue that would, you know, sort of push them down the, uh, you know, the routes of looking for an outside linebacker in those first three rounds. Well, here's, here's the thing, Zach. I am going to once, agree, once again disagree with you. I think this is a record we've disagreed on the first three of the evening, and it's, uh, it's genuine disagreement. Uh, look, the draft is not enough. They need to find – they need to actually go against the grain here and find somebody they can bring in to push, to push the envelope on the other side. I mean, look, on the right side, we don't know if Jarvis Jones is going to be, be there. As much as I like Jarvis Jones, there's, uh, I, I don't think they're keeping him around. And I don't even think that uh, that they should, as much as I like him, that they should keep him around at this point, especially after that game in Miami was a dreadful game for him. James Harrison, love Bebo, one of my favorite all-timers. But you know what? He's slowing down, too. He's going to be 39 next year. So Bud Dupree, yes, on the left side. On the right side, need to bring somebody in with the potential to start, and you also need to address it in the first three rounds of the draft. Look, tight end has been dropped down a little bit. Tight end is not as important right now as uh, some other positions for 2017. Defensive back is, uh, is not as crucial as it was in past years. The, uh, the two things that are crucial now are quarterback and outside linebacker once again, and that's something that needs to be addressed in the first three rounds. So, I think it's a fact the draft is not enough, and and uh, they need a look in free agency. And uh, I'm not sure of all the names that will be available next year in free agency. I know you don't want to overpay in any situation, but sometimes you're going to pay to be, be able to move on. 
and they're not getting a pass rush right now, and they, they need to do something. It's just not happening. Maybe it's time to go against the grain and bring somebody else in, Zach. Yeah, but, Brian, we, we know that this team, I mean, this team will not go out and sign somebody just in the same way that, you know, I would love to see a trade happen for the quarterback spot, but, but that's not the way that this team builds. This team is traditionally looking through the draft, and I think when that time comes around, people are going to be more concerned with whatever is beating the Steelers, which I personally still believe will be the secondary if we don't happen to make it past uh, those later rounds of the playoffs. I think it's going to be that, and on top of that, you've got to address the quarterback needs. I mean, I, I have been of the belief now that I've seen Ben get hurt again, that the Steelers need to make a quarterback selection in the first three rounds here in the next couple of years. And I'm not saying you use a first-round pick on a quarterback. I'm saying in the third round, you take the best available quarterback that you have at your disposal that you can get there, or even in round four, somebody, some guy who can come in and take the helm. And I, and I think that's going to ring truer than, you know, a position that they've already drafted for several times in the last couple of years. Well, I'm even fine with a, a number two pick for a quarterback at this point. But with that being said, Zach, we are at the halfway point. Um, reminding you to call in, we already have a caller in the queue, and we're going to take that after we get done with number six. So call 347-850-8581 if you want to join in on any of the topics. But first, let's hear from Frank Walker-Law. Smart or stupid? Those strobing lights in your rear view? That flashlight shining in your face? License, registration, and insurance, please. The little adventure you're about to have with this guy? Uh, I'll need you to step out of the vehicle, please. Okay, so you've done something stupid. Fix it with a smart move. For DUI or criminal defense, call Frank Walker of FrankWalkerLaw.com. He knows his way around a courtroom. 412-532-6805. 412-532-6805 or FrankWalkerLaw.com. Frank Walker Law, real talk, real results. Once again, it's Steeler, six-pack of fact or fiction. Uh, my name is Brian Anthony Davis along with Zach Parnes, and we want you to join in with us tonight. So be sure to call in. We already have one of our Hall of Famers already waiting to, call, uh, waiting to talk to us tonight. So we'll get, be getting to him very soon. But let's get on with the show. And number four, this is one I'm, uh, I'm a little uh, on the fence with, so I want to hear what you think about it, Zach. Poor team conditioning is not the reason for the rash of Steeler injuries. Is that fact or fiction? Uh, is not the reason? Fact. Listen, is, this is a violent game. You're going to get hurt. And, and if you're not prepared to get hurt, then, then you're not in the right game. Like, this has just become, you know, the, the constant topic of conversation here in the league is, is whether or not football is, you know, rightfully deserved as, you know, do people have any sort of compensation for injuries that they suffer during this sport because you're sacrificing your body for, for millions and millions of dollars. No. The bottom line is whichever way you swing on that, it all comes down to one thing. This is a violent game. People are going to get hurt. And I, and I don't think that there's anything to do with the conditioning. Listen, you've seen how far, you know, when games go deep that these guys can, can, can succeed. I think that's a testament to their conditioning. And, and honestly, I think that's just pure poppycock if we're going to say that, you know, these guys' injuries, most of which, I mean, it does Ben's injury, take a look at that play. Does Ben's injury warrant him as being a, a poorly conditioned player? Well, maybe he could be a little bit faster so he avoids that. Yeah, but regardless, he's still going to get tripped up, and that, that ligament is still going to tear. Like, you know, we, we've seen it in worse situations where, where guys get grabbed from behind, they misstep or something like that. It's all accidental, Brian. I'm, I'm big on this is not a, 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 any sort of conditioning problem. You know what, Zach? I completely agree with you, so I'm going to say fact. And bottom line, these guys are professionals. It's like they're, you know, Ben Ralph, excuse me, Jerome Bettis, said years ago one of the reasons he was uh, ready to retire was for the fact that every Monday he felt like he was in a car accident. And right at the time when he said that, made that statement, I was in a car accident. And I could not walk. I was completely fine. But I was so sore and jarred up that I couldn't walk, I couldn't walk right for days. I felt miserable. I'm like, is, this is what they feel like every single day. 
then I'm glad that uh, that I'm in a different line of work, and I never followed my dream to be an NFL player. Um, not that I really had the uh, potential to be one, but uh, but yeah, I was a pretty tough 90-pound nose tackle back in the the seventh grade in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. But anyways, with with that being said, look, they they hit hard, they play hard, they play to keep their jobs every single week. It has nothing to do with conditions. Conditioning. These guys are, are, are the best athletes in the world, but when you're playing 100 miles per hour, you're going to get hurt. So I agree with you completely, Zach. This question was for basically for you to go off on a rant, and I knew you would, so uh, I feel pretty good about it. It's our first agreement of the night, so let's both say fact. But I do have a question for you, Zach. How old are you? How old am I? You don't have to say, but... Yeah, uh, are you in your twenties, your thirties, your forties? Yes, or yes, I am. I am 70s? twenty. I am twenty. I am twenty years young. Okay, how many twenty-year-olds use the word poppycock? I. <laughs> <laughs> that one took that, me that by surprise. Be, that might be as a result. I remember there was a news story a few years ago where Hillary Clinton had called something pure poppycock, and I was like, what is that word? So, you know, took it upon myself, little scholar in me, to, uh, to look up and, and see what that was all about, and now, you know, I'll drop it every once in a blue moon. I don't know if any 20-year-olds use the phrase blue moon either. Uh, I use blue moon, but I'm in my 40s, so I guess that's okay. <laughs> Let's move along. And This is one that uh, I'm pretty fired up about. I'm angry about this one. So I could uh, – I'm actually – before I even say it, I'm just going to say fact because I'm so mad about this. So fact, fact, fact. Rushing Le'Veon Bell only 10 times a game is absolutely, positively inexcusable. Fact or fiction, Zach? Yeah, fact. I'm, I'm right there with you, Brian. I think we're going to agree the rest of the show. Um, I, listen, this is the best running back in football. You were struggling through the air against Miami, like absolutely struggling. And I know this league is making such a – an effort to be packed first, whatever, blah, 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 blah. The bottom line is this. When you have the best asset in your backfield in the National Football League and you don't use it, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. And listen, this is, this is not the steal of football that we've known, that we've understood for such a long period of time. The, the bottom line is that there needs to be more. You need to be able to put this guy's you know, skills to use. You have to be able to be willing to hand him the ball 20 times. Otherwise, trade him and look for a wide receiver. And, and am I encouraging that? Absolutely not, because I want him in the backfield. But if you're not going to use him, I'd rather get something out of the assets that we want to use. Well, either that or move him to wide receiver, which that's not going to happen either. You know how I feel? Um, I, I didn't leave any room for debate on this one. I say fact, look, if they go – third and one with Landry Jones at quarterback and give that ball to Le'Veon Bell, in my mind's eye, I think that is a different ball game, a completely different ball game because he's going to get the first down. And uh, even if they're keying on him, he's going to get the first down in that situation. You have a Ferrari, drive it. You have a tank, drive it. You have a Hummer, drive it. You have all three in Le'Veon Bell, drive them. That's what he's there for. He is healthy. He had three weeks off at the beginning. He is primed. He is in midseason form. Use him and win with him. Bottom line, fact, I'm out. Mic drop. Zach. Yeah, and, you know, just to go back, like, it makes me so frustrated because it makes you wonder if, like, you know, the the sort of – Bruce Arian or Ken Wisenhunt would take a look at this and be like, what, what the hell are these guys doing? Because that is my mind on this right now. Listen, he averaged, if you look at his numbers, he averaged 5.6 yards a carry. That The Steelers were getting more done on the ground than anywhere else. That DHB run was absolutely fantastic as well. How does the offensive staff not recognize that as the only thing that that's working the entire day? I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that they threw on first down. And I was like, are, like, what? When have the Steelers ever thrown on first down? It, it's just not something that happens. Well, you know what? I want to bring up uh, yesterday's show. 
uh, the Monday Hangover, and that was uh, a great show with lots of callers. And one of our favorite callers that we hear from all the time, Bryce from Brooklyn, called in, and he brought up the fact that he calls him Wacky Todd. He goes, every once in a while, Wacky Todd comes up and uh, does some crazy stuff, and you just don't understand what he's doing. And I agreed with him just for the fact that try to out everybody and outsmart everybody when all you have to do is outmuscle and outplay the other team. Sometimes just rely on your strength and beat them man-to-man, and they could have done that with Le'Veon Bell. So that's how I feel with that. I'm going to say facts. Look, guys, you can beat a Patriots defense with a guy like Le'Veon Bell. You can beat him. You can beat them with a Landry Jones minimally if you rely on a guy like Le'Veon Bell and just play smart. And I think this, uh, I think this uh, staff is smart enough to come back and realize the mistakes that were made in this game and go ahead and have a game plan to be competitive, at least, in this game coming up on Sunday. But let's go on to number six, six as we're moving on with the show. And this one is uh, something that uh, – it's very interesting if you think, and it's been shaping up a little more and more like this each week. Has Mike Mitchell, Zach, become a marked man with officials? Is that fact or fiction? You know, it's interesting when I'm discussing Mike Mitchell because I, I think about the hype that this guy had um, for a long, long time. And, you know, I, I remember when Steeler Nation brought him in, how excited a lot of people uh, you know, we're becoming. I, I don't think that the NFL targets anybody, uh, you know, for penalties, flags, etc. cetera. I, I, I said this a few weeks ago, and I will stand by it. Um, I think he's becoming not a marked man, but I think he's becoming sloppy is my word for it right now. And I think he's getting penalized at points where he deserves to be penalized. Listen, look at his days in Carolina. He was making some clean tackles here and there, um, you know, and really laying down some big hits as well. But, but it was all about the clean hits. And now he is coming to this point where I think he has lost that edge on wide receivers because of his age, and now he feels the need to just go open field, sacrificial body, you know, trying to slam somebody. And that's not going to work in this league anymore. You know, we're, we're getting this rapport now and now uh, more and more every single day, which is saying that the NFL is the no-fun league. And I'll tell you this, right now, Mike Mitchell, he is just falling victim to that, but it's not because of official sort of thing. This is them trying to protect the players. I think he's getting really sloppy with it here, Brian. I don't like it. Well, you know what? I am going to say something. Um, I disagree with you on points of that, and I disagree with you on the bottom line. I'll agree with you that – that the discipline isn't completely completely there at number 23. Um, but he plays hard. He plays like a Ryan Clark. He plays fired up. He is a hitter, and that is the name of his game. But here's the thing. When those officials meet at the beginning of a Pittsburgh Steelers game, you know, and I will say this to the end of the earth, you know that they say, keep an eye on number 92. Keep an eye on James Harrison. They say it. You know they do, because James Harrison is not getting the benefit of the doubt on anything. If it's marginal, James Harrison is going to be seeing yellow fly in the air, and that is what is happening with Mike Mitchell. If it's marginal, he's not getting the benefit of the doubt anymore, and you know, some of those plays, you know, um, some of those roughing penalties or uh, unsportsmanlike conducts that he gets, or uh, on the line that the other team not getting. Look at Miami, the horse collar on Le'Veon Bell. Come on, that was blatant. If that was Mike Mitchell or James Harrison, they're looking for it now. They are looking for those guys to do it, so they're becoming marked men. James Harrison's been a marked man. Mike Mitchell has become a marked man. So I'm not saying they're targeting him, but they're looking out waiting for him to do something, and they're going to call it. He does not get that benefit of the doubt anymore, Zach. So that's, an, that's a fact. I can't disagree with you more on that. 
Yeah, I, and you know, with the whole officials taking a look very carefully before the game about who they want to, you know, who they they're keeping an eye out for, that that will definitely happen. Listen, if you don't like the game, just goes to shit. You you got to be watching out for players like that, or or guys like Carlos Gansby, or people you know on other lines of work as well. Uh, Vontez Perfect, obviously for the Cincinnati Bengals, is a name that comes to mind. Um, I would just like to see him clean it up a little bit. And, and honestly, I want to see how much of a step he's really lost, because I think that's a factor. Well, you know what? I, uh, that's something for another time, um, whether he's lost a step. But I, they're looking at him, Zach. I really believe that they are. So that's the end of the factor fiction as far as the six-pack goes. We still have another fact that we've added as a bonus in the last couple of weeks. Remember, you can call in at 347-850-8581. This is now your show, so we definitely want to hear from you. And now let's go to the line right now with one of our all-time Hall of Fame callers. I believe I know who this is. Who do we have on the line? Good evening, Brian. It's Vito Manco from New Jersey. How are you? Uh, I knew it was you. I know that area code, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. I was thinking about what you guys were saying, and I remember, I guess, listening to a lot of the media and a lot of the NFL chorus. We have become a passing team over the last few years. Think about how stacked our offense is, and I guess maybe one of the reasons why they drew up the game plan last week where they were throwing the ball more is because we have so much talent on the offensive line we probably should be coming out throwing the ball and then running the ball later on, but unfortunately we weren't having success like that. And, and what strikes me, and I think we discussed this last night, is why not? And we have so much talent on the front line. How are these guys able to get around us and not allow us you know, to get the openings we need? I mean, we have plenty enough talent where there's no reason why we can't be throwing that ball at least 30, 40 times a game. Now, I remember one of the games against the Chiefs. Ben only threw it, I think, 25 or 30 times, and we scored a ton of points against the Jets. I think he threw it a little bit more, but if I noticed, he was doing a lot more of those checkdowns with Le'Veon Bell, where last week they got away from that. But what are your thoughts on having a good enough offense? We should be basically spreading it out, you know, plenty, because we have the talent on, on, on you know, that side of the ball. Because I really think that our defense is going to take a long time for them to be good again, like they once were. So I think it's going to be the offense that has to carry this team. But I also remember Jeff saying last night, or was it you, Brian, that you're going to need the defense to win a game or two few this year, like a lot of good defenses do. And I don't know if we have that talent right now with the injuries. But anyway, I'll listen to your thoughts. Well, you know what, Bill? Well, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I agree with you on that entire comment. Uh, the fact that you have great talent on the offensive side of the ball, they know you're doing it, though. And when you get away from giving the ball to Le'Veon Bell when they absolutely needed to, um, that wasn't a situation. I mean, that's the problem that I have right here. That was not a situation where they couldn't, that they had to play catch-up the whole game. They could have still run that ball and mixed in the pass, but gone heavier on the run and been very successful because once Le'Veon Bell's wearing them down and wearing them down, they'll be so much more successful in the air. So in that situation yesterday, I mean, I mean, excuse me, on Sunday, they really needed to go to Le'Veon so much more. And, you know, my thought is uh, they were actually trying to trick him because the logical thing to do would have been just pound the 31st run, run, run defense Pound them with Le'Veon Bell and then pull them with a pass. That's uh, that seems like a logical thing to do, and it seems like they go against logic a lot of the time. Now this week you're going to see a lot of Le'Veon Bell. I guarantee it because uh, a guy like uh, Landry Jones is going to need a lot of help, and they're going to rely on Bell. And that's a team. New England's a team they can run against too. But uh, you know, I don't really think the uh, the defense of New England is the big concern where the offense is going to be the big concern. Zach, what do you think about Vito's comment? Well, you know, Vito, I, I think first off, you know, you, you're exactly – you're preaching to the masses here, man, because I was just saying the same thing. When have we developed into such a passing team? That being said, you're right. We, we do have such a great core to be able to do that. 
But I want to ask you, and, and just hypothetically here, how do you justify running the ball only 10 times with the best running back in football? I mean, the Steelers in, in my time, yes, there's been Jerome Bettis, you know, and, and you know, you've had that, that great stint where Willie Tarker was fantastic. But when have the Steelers really had a top three solidified best running back in football? And, and I think that this team now with that resource doesn't utilize it as much as they could. Well, they seem to use him more as a uh, as a uh, wide receiver at times. You notice the way he lines up. Of course, I think they used him tremendously in the Jet game, where they were using him tremendously. Remember, Ben kept going to him many times, and I wonder why he wasn't doing that more last week. Why he got away from that? Even if you're taking the short stuff, three, four, five yards at a clip, you know that makes your third and manageable. So you're right. You should be handing the ball to this guy 25 times a game at least. No, I don't know. You know, they really goes back to the coaching, Brian. I mean, maybe something that they saw that they didn't like, or they they were nervous about. Who knows? Now, you know, we'll see what they do this week. Yeah, I'm very interested to see that. So, uh, well, Vito, I thank you for the call, but I'm not going to. I want to keep you on the line. Um, because we talk, we talk Steeler football the entire time, and this is the part of the show that we have added. Once we're done with the six-pack, we like to do a fact that has nothing to do with Steeler football, but it's still fun to debate anyway. So what we've been doing in the last couple of weeks, uh, two weeks ago we uh, talked about, uh, since the Steelers were playing the Jets, we talked about iconic New York songs. Um, a week ago, we talked about the Cuban sandwich of Miami versus the uh, traditional Pittsburgh sandwich, um, you know, namely a Permani Brothers sandwich. And this week, we are going to talk about musical divas of different eras. So Pittsburgh boasts a very popular diva of the last 10, 15 years by the name of Christina Aguilera. So it's Christina Aguilera we're going to talk about right now, Vito, and I'd love for you to join in. Is she more of musically more the better diva than Boston's Donna Summer of the seventies and eighties? Fact or fiction? Christina Fact. is better than Donna. Fact. Uh, you think Christina more popular? Okay, very interesting, Zach. What do you think? Oh man, you know, look at Donna Summer. How, how do you dislike on the radio or Last Dance? You know, like, those are those are great songs. They're classics. Uh, that being said, Christina Aguilera has been a, a very big part in the uh, the modern women pop culture movement. Uh, but I go with Donna Summer on this one. You know what? I am, uh, well, I, I'm stunned. I, I was ready to attack you, Zach, because I was, uh, <laughs> I'm saying fiction, because definitely Donna Summer. And that, that shows that, uh, your parents definitely have good taste in music and have exposed you to uh, some good 70s and 80s Donna Summer because I have loved Donna Summer. I am a huge Christina Ag- I mean, I, I respect Christina Aguilera, and uh, she has done so much, um, well, a lot of number one songs in this era, and she's been one of the leaders of the pop movement. But when you go back to the 1970s, when you're talking about female diva in music. You're talking Olivia Newton-John. You're talking definitely Diana Ross. But Donna Summer was, she was the grinder in there. She was the one that you weren't thinking of all the time, but time after time she had a number one song. MacArthur Park was a huge song in the 1970s, a number one hit. She had a number one hit with Barbara Streisand, Enough is Enough. You mentioned on the radio, um, but in 1979, she was queen of the charts with Bad Girl and Hot Stuff. And don't forget her major comeback in 1983, where she works hard for the money, a very iconic song in ads. So not very often do I go against Pittsburgh, but I'm going against Christina in Pittsburgh when I say Boston's Donna Summer is the better diva of the two. Vito, do you have anything to add on that? Oh, she was great. Very talented. I used to love music too, but I think the reason why I went with 
Christina Aguilera is because it's a different era today. It was a different era in the 70s and 80s. It was a different type of, of music. It was cleaner music, much cleaner than it is today. And I think it's the youth today is different about the music than it was then. But, yeah, that was great stuff. I mean, you know, you look back to that era. It's just classic. I mean, you're, not, you're never going to get music like that again, ever. Yeah, you, you you never are. And I remember telling Never. my dad, this was 1985, I was in the car with my father, and uh, he was listening to an oldie station. And I always listened, to, I was listening to the 50s and 70s at the time, in the 80s when I was growing up. And so I was familiar with all of that music. But I said, Dad, I am never going to stop listening to new music. I will always be on top of it, even when I'm your age. But I was wrong at that time, because I'm still going back the 1970s and the 1980s and I, I feel that that's a gone era and I completely miss it. I know I'm showing my age and next thing you know I'm going to yell at kids to get off of my lawn but at this point I'm going to say Donna Summer and I'd love I'd love a throwback to Donna to just come back. So at that well, point I'll tell you what Brian, one of my favorite one of my favorite groups of all time were the Bee Gees and a lot of people only remember them for the 70s but if you remember they were singing since the 60s, and they made their last album in the 2000s. But you still listen to that music today, and it's still fantastic, even today, all these years later. It you'll never is, get, it you'll never get a band like that, ever. It's on my iTunes right now, and people don't realize how iconic Barry Gibb was as far as Tremendous. a singer and a songwriter and everything that, that he did. And uh, three of the uh, Gibb brothers have already passed away, and... Uh, Barry, from what I understand, has just come up out with another album, and then just correct. a few weeks ago. So that's something that you might want to check out. But Amazing, uh, right? and definitely, when we're talking about the '70s, we go back to the greatest team of the 1970s, yeah. the Pittsburgh Steelers. So there we go, going hand in hand, Donna Summer and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, gotta love the '70s. But that being said, Vito, thank you very much for joining us this evening. I know I put you on the spot with a musical question, no, but it's no fun for a little departure, especially after a no, bad game. Tough. Hey, listen, have a good evening, right, guys, buddy. and hopefully we have a better game this weekend. I, I'm hoping we do, too. Let's uh, keep our fingers crossed and uh, bring out, break out our lucky jerseys. Superstition, we need the superstition all we can this week, my friend. Right. All right, Vito, thank good you. night. Good night, gentlemen. Zach, do you have any closing thoughts for the evening? Closing thoughts right here, Brian. I'll, I'll sum it up very quick. A, half of that conversation went over my head. I only know Donna Summer. <laughs> I couldn't tell you anything by the Bee Gees or anything. Uh, B, my biggest thing is, that, folks, don't be expecting anything spectacular. I'm still optimistic that this team can win, uh, but Tom Brady and that uh, Patriots offense are going to need to falter a little bit for that to happen. Okay, uh, Zach, this is what I want you to do. The next time you talk to your parents, I want you to talk to them about the Bee Gees. I want you to go ahead and uh, go ahead on Netflix or whatever you need to do and look up Saturday Night Fever with John Travolta, um, an iconic movie from 1977. The Bee Gees did the entire soundtrack. You know, I know you know the song Staying Alive. Night Fever's from there, too. The Bee Gees are absolutely iconic, and uh, they, they actually sounded a lot, their early stuff in the 1960s sounded a lot like the Beatles, too. So I think you would actually enjoy it. I have it on my on my iTunes right now. It's fantastic stuff. Um, as far as the Steelers this weekend, it is going to be a very tough game. But one thing that we know about Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers, they handle adversity the week after a loss very well. They go back into the, the laboratory, and I really can't wait to see what they come up with this week. I am hoping that uh, they could put something together, um, maybe something the Patriots hardly ever do, but maybe with Ben Roethlisberger gone, maybe they can get them to look past the Pittsburgh Steelers just a little bit. Um, not expecting a miracle, but I am going to be watching from – 60 all the way down to zero, and uh, I'm going to be there to the very end, and you never know in the National Football League, week after week, we might be singing the praises of Landry Jones. Who knows? We might be 
singing the praises of Zach Bettenberger. Or we might be, just might be, singing the praises of Ben Roethlisberger. But we all doubt that. But you never know what's going to happen in this league. It's always worth tuning in. And it's always, you know, get your hopes up. What's it going to hurt at this point? Zach, thank you so much. It was another rousing edition of Pittsburgh Through Factor Fiction. Had a lot of fun tonight, a lot of agreement, a lot of disagreement, and that's the nature of the show. So we will see you next week. Hopefully we will not be as down as we were this week. And let's see what happens at Heinz Field against the New England Patriots. Zach, have a great week, my friend. Thank you, Brian. You as well. And to everyone out there in Seward Nation, stay safe this week. Let's get ready for a beautiful game. All right. To uh, quote my favorite BG song, ah, 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 staying alive. And let's see if they can stay alive for another week. Pittsburgh Steelers Factor Fiction. I'm Brian Anthony Davis. That was Zach Parnes. Have an awesome week. And remember, that's a fact, Jack. When it rains, hit the lakes. Experience the best in weatherproof fun at Bolero. Bowl, play games, and treat your taste buds to Bolero's signature menu. Don't get wet, go bowling. Visit Bolero.com for hours and weekly specials. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.